I want to say welcome all those tuning online. Thanks for tuning in. And then all of you, the guests, thanks for, for coming, being a part of the Grove today with us. We know it's going to be a good service, and I'm excited uh, just to kick off a new series. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoya, pastor of the Grove, and uh, I'd love to meet you before you leave today. If you're a guest, uh, come find me. I'd like to get to get to know you and uh, say hi. And so for all the rest of us to be coming, thank you for coming today. Um, we're going to start a series that's going to lead us up to Easter. Uh, Easter is a big deal, right? So for our church, for uh, the Christian faith, Easter is the, the uh, holiday of all holidays. It is a celebration where we that day changes everything for history. It changes everything for us. Without that day, I wouldn't be doing what I do. I wouldn't be walking the walk and, and following, following God the way I do uh, because of what that, that day means to us. And so we're going to lead up to Easter with this series. Um, and let me just set it up for you. For, so for the next seven weeks... As we build up, um, there's, um, you know, there's, there's these moments in, in, our, in our week and in our month and sometimes in our, in our whole year, um, it, but, but it starts usually with a day. You, know, you're, you start off your day, and it's like, man, this is going to be a good day, and then somebody says something, and you're like, there goes the good day, right? Like now it's a bad day, um, and then sometimes that bad day turns into a couple bad days, and sometimes that, those, those instances where people do something to you, that are, they're more hurtful, and they last a little bit longer. Um, and, and sometimes our bad day lasts for a long time. Maybe it comes and goes. Uh, but in the middle of that, and this is what I know about life, there's going to be moments where we face bad days. They, they're going to happen. They come our way uh, because uh, this is what I know about human nature is people are people, and sometimes people are really dumb, right? And they do really dumb things, and they say really dumb things and hurtful things. Um, and a lot of times because they're hurt, they, they hurt us back, or they, hurt, uh, they, they keep the hurt going forward. We're going to do a series saying, what would it look like if, if maybe we had some tools, maybe some different ways to approach uh, those moments where we're having a bad day? What, what could we do that would change that? And what could we do in the middle of that instead of make, maybe make, allowing it to turn into a bad day? It can actually turn into a, a day that we learn or we grow um, and, and we, can, we can move forward. And so, because here's the thing when, when, you, when you have a bad day, uh, Jesus also had a bad day. And so, we're going to take seven statements that he made while he was on the cross. All right. So the last day of his life, he made more than seven statements, but there were seven statements that we find throughout the Gospels that he made while he was on the cross. And so it's, it's this idea of uh, Jesus is the middle of um, suffering, and, and how did he make it through that bad day? Because right? um, we call it Good Friday. How many of you guys know to Jesus, Good Friday really didn't feel like a good, good Friday, right? It felt like a very, very, really, 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 Let's add some more really. It's really, really, really bad day, right? You're in the middle of that suffering. You're in the middle of what's going on. All the different things that we're going to talk about today that you're, you're feeling and you're going through, that's just not a fun day. It's not, it's not good. Well, how did he make it through the bad day? Well, we can learn a lot from what he did and what he said, and so we're going to take those every week and, and, and walk through that, all right? So I'm excited for that because I, uh, if you're like me, uh, somebody told me after service, the first service, said that was such a good message. I was like, oh, you're listening? I was just talking to myself the whole time. Like, that's just it's a message for me, you know? It's, it's, it, the truth is we all face these moments where uh, things pop up, and we have to deal with them in a healthy way. So let me, let me walk you through um, a scripture that's going to kind of where we get the idea from, and it's going to help us uh, to point to why we're doing this, all right? So Hebrews 12, three through, 2 through 3 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So the, the writer is saying we should turn our attention to Jesus. Let's look at his life, right? The author and the perfecter of our faith. So he's, God is trying to do something in our life, and, and he has a story that's being written about us. Let's fix, let's fix our attention on him because, it says, for the joy set before him who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what is he saying? He's saying Jesus was able to go through the cross because there was something in front of him. In fact, he considered it joy. How would you consider dying on a cross joy? 
Well, because there was something that was going to be produced in that suffering, right? He said that, that the, the, the bad day is not the whole story. It's just a part of the story. And, it, and it's, it's a part that's going to lead to something better. And so he's saying in the middle of that, um, we, we can learn from that. In fact, he goes on and says, consider him, right? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, from other people, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So in those days where you're having a bad day, what is he saying? You should consider Jesus so that when you're in your middle of your bad day, you won't grow weary. You won't lose heart because he didn't lose heart. He didn't grow weary. And your bad day, if we compare to Jesus' bad day, I would say like bad day Jesus, right? Our bad day is like not even compared, right? It's like, okay, I guess you look at it that way. It's not. And so in the middle of that, what would it look like if we would have the right outlook like Jesus had and not, not grow weary and not lose heart? Uh, let me let me read that same verse in the in the paraphrase. It's the message translation or the message paraphrase. Um, it's, it's great. He says something really great in there that, that's going to bring us to why we're doing this. So he says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began, so he started the race, but he also finished the race we're in. So Jesus, he not just started the same the same journey we're on. He finished this journey that we're all hoping to finish. So he says, let's let's look at him. Study how he did it. Let's study how he did it. How did he run that race? How did he finish so strong? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He never, he never forgot the, 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 the results that he was going after. He never forgot the goal, the finish line. Uh, he didn't let the bad day stop him and say, all right, throw my hands up. Um, and, and honestly, in the middle of it, he really did ask God, like, okay, God, this is really tough. If you want to remove this from me, like, I'll be fine with that. But I want your will to be done anyways. So he did face that, right? But he never lost sight of it. He never, he never stopped. And it says that exhilarating finish in and with God. So he's on this journey with God. Uh, he could put up with anything along the way, anything, the cross, the shame, whatever. How was he able to put up with so much along the way? Well, he had, he had something down. He saw, he saw differently than everybody else saw. And it goes on and says this. Now he is there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, so you're having a hard day and you're just, you're kind of like, man, I don't know what I believe. I don't, this is hard. I don't, I don't want to be around people, whatever. It's just, it's horrible, right? Things aren't going well. When you find yourself just struggling in your faith, he says, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he pushed through, that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many of you guys, when you're having a bad day, you need some adrenaline shot into your soul, right? Anybody with me? All right, I am the only one. All right, so you guys can just listen to me as I talk to myself today, right? I need that adrenaline shot in my soul when I face those things. It's kind of like this idea, like I'm facing something so hard, but there's something that's going to help shoot something good into me that's going to help me get through, going to help me push through this. Um, and so the, he, he's, the author is saying, if we can look at Jesus' life, we can, we can study how he did it, look at item by item, maybe we can learn something from it. So that's what we're going to do. For seven weeks, we're going to look at this line by line when he's on the cross and what he said and the things he said. In fact, um, when, when it says he was able to endure whatever, right, the cross, shame, whatever, well, what are those things that he had to endure? Well, uh, we know that on Thursday night, so it was a Thursday, we're going to celebrate Easter in a month, right? So Passover, they have the Passover meal on, on Thursday night is when they, they're, they're taking it, they're taking communion. He's serving them. It's the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper, right, with the, with the disciples. And that night he goes to pray and he's arrested. Um, and then he's, he's, he goes to three different trials, in the middle of the night, so these are illegal trials. You're not back in that time, even today. You can't do trials at night, right? That's illegal. Why? Because under the secrecy of dark, where nobody else can see. Um, and so they're they're doing these three different trials through the night illegally. So he's all alone. So three different trials between in front of two different kings and in front of the religious leaders. And then he's beaten, right? And uh, it says that they they mock him. 
um, they spit on him. They, they, they whip him um, with, with, uh, the, um, with, the, with the whip that just tears through his flesh, right? And Isaiah tells us part of the reason was that it wasn't just for nothing. There, there's, there's healing that comes from that, right? Uh, by his stripes, we're healed. So every, every little element that he goes through, there's a purpose to it. And then as, as they beat him and they mock him and they, they tease him, uh, they march him, pray him through town. Uh, he's, he's going through all these things that we're going to talk about the things that he was facing. In the middle of that, then they, they, they nail him to a cross. And the moment they stand him up in this, you know, on that cross and the cross falls into that hole that it was there, you can imagine the pain there. Uh, we see the first thing that he said on, while on the cross. So just leading up to that, the 12 hours from being betrayed and, and, and his friends leaving him to being mocked and beat up to now being hung on a cross, um, he's, he's there. And this, this is what he says. The first statement that we see in the Gospels that he makes once he's on the cross hanging there is this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them. They don't even know what they do. That's the first statement he makes while he's on the cross. He's got to forgive them. Um, I think it's important that, that as, as we start this series, that, this, that as he makes this first statement, it sets the tone for, for really the, the next seven weeks that we'll talk about. When we're facing a bad day, we have to have the right perspective. God, Father, forgive them. It's really he's saying, um, as he's placed on the, on the cross, he's saying, I want to release them from the things they're doing to me. God, they don't even know what they're doing. He saw differently than, 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 than we see, than they saw. And I think if we can study this, maybe we'll learn some tools in, in a way to view, look through life that will help us to uh, live like Jesus lived. Uh, lesson number one is this. All right? So the first lesson we see is we need to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. So anybody that's trying to cause you to have a bad day, the first lesson we learn from Jesus is he's saying forgive. Forgive them. And his statement is they don't even know what they're doing. Like in the grand scheme of things, you think like, no, no, they know what they're doing. Like I have those people in my life that all they want to do is ruin. All they ever say is bad stuff. It's like, it's like they think that's like their, their calling in life is just to give me a bad day to ruin my day. Right? Anybody have people like that in your life? Yeah? So you have a lot of forgiveness in that, in that realm, right? Like you, that, that's a challenging thing to say. But he's saying you need to learn to forgive. You need to learn to, to, to walk and see life in a different way. Choose to live different than everybody else lives. He's saying if you do it, there will be some great results that come with it. Um, so forgive everyone. For everyone that's trying to cause you to have a bad day, forgive them. Uh, Jesus told, told us in Matthew 24, he says this. He said, then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So many is more the majority, right? More than half. It's, it's a lot of people. So it's most people, they're going to be offended. They'll betray one another. They'll hate each other. There's just a, this element of human life, that, uh, of, of human nature, that we, um, we're selfish and we say things, we hurt things. Like I am on the, I'm on the giving end of this sometimes. Like it's, it's possible for me to offend people and say things that would hurt them, right? And sometimes not even intentionally. And then there's other offenses that are even more worse and, and darker and, that, and more hurtful. And those also include in us also. But he's saying it's, it's impossible. Some of those things, they just part of life and the fallen nature that, that, that we have all around us. People make dumb decisions and, and they make mistakes um, and they hurt us. So he's saying many will be offended. And he goes on another, another uh, um, gospel. He says it like this another way. And then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. So in life, it's impossible for, for, for somebody not to ever have any kind of offense. So essentially, offenses are going to pop up. It's just up to us what we do with those offenses when they come our way. Somebody says something. What are we going to do with that? It's going to happen. So what, how do we handle this? How do we manage this? Um, and here's the thing with, with offense and, and, and catching that is when somebody does something or says something and we hold on to it, well, now we have that hurt in our life. What do we do with it? Well, Jesus, then you need to forgive. Because the alternative is you hold on to that 
you hold unforgiveness in your heart, right? You hold on to that offense and you say, nope, they hurt me. I am not going to forgive them. They, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve anything good. And we hold on to it. And essentially, unforgiveness actually takes a root inside of our life and it starts to grow, right? And eventually it, produ- it won't produce anything good in our life. It, it'll just only produce bad stuff. Um, and, and that's the point the enemy always wants to make when, when people offend others. He wants them to hold on to that and let that grow into their life so it becomes unhealthy and makes them sick internally, emotionally, and relationally. And, and, and Jesus is saying, no, you have to learn to let go. Because if you don't, it will make you sick. It will not help you to accomplish the things that I have for you to accomplish in life. You know, unforgiveness is kind of like, um, I heard one guy say, it's like, um, it's like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. So the person that hurts you, unforgiveness, holding on to it, is like you drink the poison, hoping they're going to die. No, no. Unforgiveness only hurts the person that holds on to it. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person that did the, the harm. It hurts the person that's holding on to it. So forgiveness is saying, I'm going to let go of this. It's like a story I heard of a man goes to work, and you know him and his, his co-worker's there. He shows up, and he has this big bulge in his chest. And they're like, man, what, what is going on? What's that, what's that big thing in your chest right there? John, and John's like, well, well I'm, going to show, I'm going to show Billy. He, he comes in every single week. And he slaps me in my chest, and he's always picking on me, and he's always you know, telling me how, how, how small I am and just, just, just a bully. So today, I'm going to teach him a lesson. This time he comes in, he's going to slap my chest. I'm going to blow his hand off. You know, dynamite, you know, dynamite is on your shirt. Dynamite is on your shirt. So I'm going to blow his hand off. All right, maybe that wasn't so funny. But that's what unforgiveness is. It's, it's the person saying, next time they hurt me, I'm going to show them. They're going to really be hurt. And the whole time we – that didn't go the way I planned it to go. That's different. So we get hurt more. Unforgiveness, we hold on to it. We're the ones that get hurt, not them. And that's how people, I think, just saying we have to look at life differently than everybody else looks at it. And when you hold on to unforgiveness, you're the one that's suffering, not them. You're the one that, that gets sick. You're the one that get, holds it. Uh, Proverbs eighteen nineteen says this. An, un, an offended brother is more, that could be brother or sister, an offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. So when somebody is hurt, somebody has been offended, it's like they're, they're not going to let go. In fact, uh, if you've ever been like that, somebody's hurt you and like you say stuff, and you're like, I don't know where that came from. That's not even me, but... There's like an emotion inside, right? It's like you're so overwhelmed that you don't even know where some of that stuff is coming from. Well, this is an offended person. They're so unyielding. They've grabbed on it. They're holding on to it. And it says they become like uh, disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. That, that we become these people that take on those offenses and that become unyielding and become hurt by it, hold on to it. It's like we, we close ourselves off from the rest of the world. They say, well, you know, they hurt me. So I'm no longer going to let anybody ever get close to me again so that I don't get hurt again. And they think, we think, that by, by trying to protect ourselves with this, this guard of our, of our life of saying, you know what, nobody's ever going to hurt me again. They hurt me, that I'm going I'm to show them. I'm never going to open my life again. We just close up and we never let others in, even the good relationships that can help us. And we close off. That's just saying what happens when we're an offended person and we hold on to it. We, 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 we stop it and we try to keep it, keep it um, uh, in, our, in our lives. And God is saying, no, you have to learn to release and let go. You know, in, in, in 1649, there's a story of uh, King George. He was, he was the king, and uh, there was these, the two parties in, at that time were, were kind of you know, fighting for who's going to rule. And one of the parties led by, um, led by name Oliver Cromwell, he, he recited a rebellion against, against King George. And he got the, some other people to kind of get this rebellion going, and they eventually overturned the kingdom, and they got their party into power. Well, they overthrew King George, and they, they, they put him, had a trial for him. And there's 59 men signed this document saying, yeah, the king, uh, w- w- you know, we didn't like the way he ruled and all this stuff. So we, we, we find him guilty uh, and they, they, tr- they, they convict him. They, 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 they kill him right, to death. They put him to death. And so that party that took over, they rule for 11 years. 
And for those 11 years, I'm sure it was nice. But then after 11 years, the other party, the, the royalist party, they take over control again of the kingdom. And they take over the kingdom and they put King George's son, uh, King George II, into, in, back on the throne. They say, you will now rule us. So the very, very first thing King George II does is he rounds up. He says, we're going to have a trial. He rounds up the 59 men who signed that document. Come to find out there's only 15 of them had already died. So he says, you know what? It's not good enough just to have these ones that are alive still. We want them still. So they, they dig up all of the corpses and the bodies of these people that signed that document that are dead. And they put him in the, in the courtroom on the chairs like to try them, right? Uh, they couldn't talk, so they said, you're guilty. So you're going to hang for your, you know, your, uh, your treason and all that. And so they hang these, these, uh, these bodies up, and, and, they, and they get rid of it. So King George II had so much unforgiveness. You know, that's, it's a good picture of you know, they, when you hear the term like digging up the past, like that's the story, right, you would think of. It's like we're digging up the past. And some of us in our lives, things have happened years ago, but because we haven't forgiven, we haven't moved on, it's like we dig up this past and something just is there, always pulling us back and always holding us from, from, from God's best, the picture of what can happen. So we look at Jesus' life. We see that he faced some different things on his bad day. And, and the reason um, that he can relate to us is because he faced the very same things that we face on our bad days, right? So some of the things that lead to bad days are that we find and face in the middle of bad days is number one is betrayal right um he's saying when it comes to um when it comes to life um, when, when when you're betrayed if, if you let that get a root it's gonna it's gonna eventually become a bitter root in your life that's gonna the bible says defile many things it's gonna hurt other things along the way um and so in these five there's five things that he faced in these in this 12 hour period right before he went on the cross so he's his bad day well part of it one is betrayal Right? On, on the night uh, that he has the supper and he serves his disciples, one of them leaves uh, and goes and sells him for 30 pieces of silver and says, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll turn him over to you. So when they're praying, he, Judas brings, Judas Scarlet brings the, um, the, the, the people to arrest him, right? The religious guards and stuff to, to take him to, to, to be tried. And so he betrays him. So one of his friends, one of his disciples that he's been close with for three years betrays Jesus. Um, and, and so he faces betrayal. And then all of his disciples, they, they run away. So he's all alone. He feels betrayed, right? Nobody's there to care for him. You might, you might have felt that way at some point in your life. It's somebody, somebody you, and usually it's somebody you love deeply. That's why it, matters, it hurts so much is because you cared for them. But they betrayed you. They did something. They turned their back. They stabbed you in the back. They hurt you somehow. And there's this deep, there's this letdown of there's some deep, deep hurt or betrayal. Well, the second thing we find is he, he was also falsely accused. We, we see false accusations. He's in court, and there's actually people lying about him. And it's so hard, like, they, they don't even agree in their story, so they're trying to figure out how we're going to send this guy to death because nobody even agrees. And they're, they're falsely accusing him. There's nobody there to stand up for him and say, no, I was there, John, and Peter and his close disciples. They're not even there saying, no, no, I, I, that's not true. He was all alone being facing these. You know, so, sometimes in our lives we face these false accusations. I know in, 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 in my past when things pop up and uh, people say things about me that aren't true, it hurts, right? It bothers me. It creates it. it that's part of why we carry on um, a, that bad day. Another one is um, he, had, he had he had nobody to defend him. He was rejected. He found he faced rejection. Um, so in his bad day, there was rejection there, where people that he loved they they left him, and he was all all alone. In your bad day, I don't know if you're facing betrayal or false accusation or betrayal uh, or rejection or maybe abuse. We see we see that as they 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 sentence him, say he's guilty. Let's hang him on the cross. Then he faces he faces physical abuse, right? They beat him and they whip him um, and they mock him. And then and there's emotional abuse in there. The things they're said, the things they do is they hit him. They, they taunt him, right? You really, you really are the son of God. Tell me he just hit you. He's blindfolded, right? And they, they taunt him. They tease him. They, they ridicule him. And they, he, he's, he's abused. 
And then he's humiliated. So one of the things we don't see in the movies is he was, when they hung him on that cross, they hung him completely naked. It was, it was like one of the final acts of saying, it's not only are we going to hurt you and beat you and get you to the last point of your, your, your dying breath, like you're, you're just barely living. Now we're going to humiliate you by showing everybody, exposing you to everybody right naked. So he's humiliated in front of everybody. And Jesus went through all of these things, these five things in that, in that short period of time. So he's having a bad day. But he, he can relate. He understands when you have a bad day because he's had a bad day. That's the thing I love about God and the story uh, of the Gospels is Jesus, he understands. In fact, Hebrews 2.17 says that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sin, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where he was needed. So it says in, later on in, in, this, in this book, it also says that he's, he's now seated at the right hand of God, interceding. It's, it's, a, it's a legal term that's saying he's like our, our advocate, our lawyer, who is, who is talking to God on our behalf. Like, no, no, like he, he really is having a bad day, God. You should, I was there. I remember that. When my friends betrayed me and they, they turned their backs. That hurt a lot. Like, we need to give him some grace. We need to encourage him. We need to help that, per, that person as, as they're praying. He understands. He went through it. He gets it. Um, he, he, he's, he's following it. But here's the thing that I see in Jesus' life is, is it always takes an act of the mind before the emotions. So when he's on that cross hanging there, it says, Father, forgive them. It, that was not an emotional statement. It wasn't like, hey, God, I feel really good right now about these people. You should forgive them. That was more of a, of a thoughtful, intentional saying, God, I don't want to hold on to something that's going to keep me from your best. I'm going to release and let go because they don't even know what they're doing to me right now. As they mock, as they, as they, as they, they, they say these things to me, they don't even know what they're doing. So, Father forgive them. He thought differently. In fact, 1 Peter 4, 1 says it like this. Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourself with the same way, the same way of thinking Christ had. So in your life, if you want to overcome and ha- learn how to turn your bad day into a, a good day, into a better day, or how to push through that bad day, well, you have to begin to think like Jesus thought. He thought differently. In the same way, the thinking that Christ had. Uh, see, the problem, I think, is, is too many times we, we hold on to something that we're not supposed to hold on to. We catch that offense that we weren't supposed to catch on to and hold on to it and don't let it go. And it makes us sick. And Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to think and see, see differently than others see. I'm going to look beyond that. See, I'm look, he's looking at the moment saying, okay, they're mocking. They're, they're, they're going to produce things in their life that they don't even know they're going to produce. But I'm looking beyond this. Like there's going to be a, a joy that comes after the suffering. There's going to be a resurrection after the death. Right? And he's saying, look beyond that. This moment... It's not good. He's, he's not saying this is a good thing, like they should turn it on. He's just saying in the middle of this, God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And he releases them from that in that moment. See, so forgiveness. There's a few things that forgiveness is not. We have to clarify that. Sometimes we think, you know, forgiveness is just, you know, letting it go and, and not thinking about it. No, there's a few things. One, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. So depending on what the offense is and what was done to you, um, it's not minimizing. Like whatever was done, it was most likely bad and it wasn't right. And it should have been done. So it probably hurt. And it probably is a big deal. So we're not saying don't pretend it's not a big deal. That's not what I'm saying at all. When you forgive somebody, you're not saying we're going to minimize what that was and pretend it didn't happen. No. We're going to just say I'm not going to hold on to this so that it makes me sick. I'm not going to hold on to this so it keeps me from God's best in my life. So it's not minimizing. It's not reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you have to get face-to-face with that person and talk it out and hash it out and figure out how to move forward and, and, and become buddy-buddy. No, because that always takes two people. Reconciliation is a, is a two-player game where it has to take both people saying, you know, they're working on their thing. And a lot of times when there's been an offense, especially if it's really bad, you, you don't even necessarily want to be in that, in that kind of relationship with somebody, like talking face-to-face, right? But 
Forgiveness is a one-player game. Forgiveness is your choice, not their choice. See, and what happens a lot of times is um, when, when people make forgiveness the condition of um, reconciliation, essentially what they say is, nope, I'm not going to forgive until they say they're sorry. And their whole life, they hold on to something that somebody's never going to say they're sorry for. And it's kind of like, I'm going to show them. They're going to really pay for this. I'm going to hold on to it. And the whole time they're holding on to it, the other person sometimes maybe doesn't even know. Or they don't care. And the person holds on to it and doesn't even realize that they're actually hurting themselves more than they're hurting the other person. And they think they're holding hurting the other person, but it's just hurting themselves. So it's not reconciliation. It's, it's um, God, I'm, I'm going re- to forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. This is my part. God, I release. I release. And I'll let you take care of the rest. And then the third thing is it's not about, about doing what's fair. Uh, forgiveness is not about being fair. Um, which I'm great, thankful for because fair would mean uh, that I should die on a cross, not Jesus. Fair means that I pay for my sins, not Jesus. See, fair is, is me getting everything that I deserve. And God says, no, it's, it's better than fair. It's not about fair. It's about giving you what they need. It's, it's giving them not what, not what you deserve, but what you, what you need. It's not about fair. And, and, and a lot of times in life, life is not about fair. It's not trying to make things even. It's about saying in life, forgiveness is saying even though they, they don't deserve it, I'm gonna, still going to release so Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them? That was not a fair statement. Saying, God, this is even now? No, he's saying, I'm going to release and let go. They don't even know what they're doing. C.S. Lewis, he says, a quote says this, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Why? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. So being a Christ follower means that we forgive and we, we release those things that shouldn't have been released. That they're inexcusable. You're right, it shouldn't have happened. But it means we release and let go so that it doesn't hold on. Why? Because God has done that for me. He has released the inexcusable in my life. Like I shouldn't have been forgiven for the things I've been forgiven. But he says, I forgive you. I give you a new start. You've humbled yourself. I give you that. So it's not giving what they deserve. It's giving them what they need. And I'm so thankful God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. It's called the grace. It's called mercy. And that's what the cross, the story of the cross is. is the good news of saying, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to help you on this journey. I've given myself for you. And the fourth thing is this. It's not impossible to do. Forgiveness is not impossible to do. I know in, in maybe your situation, depending on what it is, you know, if it's a coworker that just said something really dumb and kind of hurt you, that might be a little easier to forgive. But if somebody that's really hurt you deeply in, in the past, maybe some kind of emotional way or physical way or uh, sexual way, whatever it is, that, that's a little harder, right? Um, but it's not impossible. And the reason I say it's not impossible because, one, we see Jesus hanging on the cross forgiving. So he's, he's modeling that for us, saying, it's possible. Even in the worst of worst situations, you can still choose this way. So it's not impossible. But, but other, other people throughout the Bible, they also talk into this. Like Paul says, uh, we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Well, what does that look like? Where, where does that strength come from? If Christ is going to give us the ability to do it, how do we do this? Where, where does that, where, how does God give us the ability to overcome, to forgive, to release people when they shouldn't have been, been released? What does that look like? Well, there's a few things that Jesus tells us we need to do if we're going to follow his lead. And let me just tell you, these things aren't easy to do. Like forgiveness, forgiving somebody is not an easy thing. But Jesus' death on the cross, it does help it make it easier for us to realize that he did it, we can do it. So it's not an easy thing. But he gives us some steps to do. And each step, it gets a little harder to do. So maybe you start with the first step. And you ask God to give you grace for the second step and the third step. But here's the first step, all right? If you're going to forgive somebody, the first step you need to do is begin to pray for them. You need to begin to say, God, I, I want to pray for them. Um, and, and here's the thing, for, for if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, um, you're going you're gonna to see that this is one of the main teachings of what it means to follow Christ that's different from everybody else is, is God is saying we don't hold on to things, we release things. 
we live in such a way that we're healthy. We're not letting those things drag us back. We're learning to let go. We're learning to forgive. We're learning to be the kind of people that are free from offenses that only hold us back and hurt us. We're living in that place. And so you really won't believe it until you try it. When you begin to try it, you'll see that, wow, this actually does change things. Um, Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus said, You've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What is he saying? Pray for those who offended you. Pray for those that have done, done harm to you. So he said, do better. Don't just, don't just, you know, love those around you. Don't just t- do, pray for them. Um, and, and as you pray, here's the thing about prayers. When we pray for other people, sometimes the other person doesn't change, but we always do. And when you begin to pray for somebody else, your perspective might change. How is it that Jesus was able to hang on a cross and say, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because he loved people. He understood that people were not the enemy. The enemy was the enemy. Satan's the enemy. People are just people that make dumb decisions that go with the flow, right, that, that choose things that hurt us. So Jesus said they're not the enemy. They're just people. If God forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And in your life, people are people, and they might have hurt you, but they don't even in some cases understand the, the severity of the, or the reality of what's taking place. And God is saying learn to forgive. So when we pray for others, usually God changes us. Um, and here's the thing I heard somebody say. is It's impossible to hate somebody while you're praying for them. It's impossible. Why? Because our perspective begins to change about them when we begin to take them to God. Like, God, help them. God, I pray for that person. Help them wake up to this or whatever it is. So that's the first one. So the first step is hard enough. The next, next one is even harder. It's to bless them. God says, would you bless those? And to bless somebody is to speak well of somebody. So, so blessing is, is the opposite of a curse, right? You don't let a curse come out of your mouth towards them. You let a blessing come out. You speak well of them. So just in Romans, uh, Paul tells us in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So the same thing Jesus is saying, you bless those who curse you, you pray for those who mistreat you, right? Jesus is saying, don't, don't hold on to these things, release, and do good to them. So he's always, he said, take it another level. In your life, when you've been hurt, pray for them, bless them. And then the third thing is even harder, is to do good for them. Look for opportunities to do good to others. It's, it's another level of saying, God, I, I want to be released from this, that I can move forward in this. Um, and you ask God for the grace to do it. Romans twelve seventeen to 21 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. So the payment they've given you, don't pay back the same payment. Like don't, don't allow that to become a cycle that goes over and over that gets worse and worse. We see this in the stories in the Old Testament. We see this in life, right? When somebody chooses to do something foolish and it's responded by foolishness and then more foolishness and it turns into this hate and it turns into this war and it turns into something that's, that's, that causes a lot of people uh, suffering and death. Right. Samson, one of the stories in Samson, uh, they do something to him. So he gets mad and he lights their fields on fire. And then they come and they do something worse to them. And he does something back to them. It's a cycle of revenge and the cycle of evil for evil for evil for evil. And the cycle of evil for evil, everybody dies. Nobody wins. Nobody lives. And he's saying, don't repay evil for evil, but learn. He says, be careful to do what is right, what is right in the eyes of everybody. So you live in such a way that you're, you're paying attention to this, right? You're aware of it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And he goes on and says this, Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. There's this element where God is saying, no, when they do wrong, like I'll, I'll take care of that. Just put it in my hands. I'll repay that. The, 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 it'll, it'll happen the way it's supposed to happen, but it's not your job. Just release it and let go. Because if you don't, you become the judge. And then you miss out on the opportunity for me to, to help you to have a, uh, live a healthy life. God will take care of the rest. And then he goes on and says this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. 
And he says, and then this the last one, he says, do not overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That should be like something we live out all the time is when evil is done to us, we don't let that overtake us and cause us to have a bad day, but rather we say, I'm going to overcome that evil by doing good. Maybe to that person, maybe to somebody else. Because the enemy wants us to get hurt so that we catch that hurt and hold on to it, and then we hurt others. Why? Because a hurting person always hurts other people. Hurting people, they hurt people. The reason that they're hurting others is because there's a hurt in their life. And so he doesn't want us to, the enemy wants us to keep, keep that going, that, that cycle to keep going. And God is saying, no, you have to break that cycle. You have to be the kind of person that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the cycle that just leads to more and more, more pain and hurt. But he's saying, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And then you'll heap burning coals on his head. So this, this idea is not like, yeah, I'm going to do good to them, and then they're going like, to suffer, right? It's not that. The idea there is um, burning coals is actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing. In, in, the, in the Bible, they call it the law first mention. Whenever you first see an idea mentioned in the Bible, that gives it, like, the, the precedence for what that's going to mean throughout the whole, the whole Bible. So the first time that we see burning coals is the story of, of, of God and Abraham. They're making a covenant together. And, 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 and God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so much. And you're going to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Like your descendants, I'm going to use you to be a blessing to the world. You're going to be my representative. And he talks to Abraham. He says, I'll make this covenant with you, right? And they, they have these animals. They're going to sacrifice them. And it says that there was this, this, this pot that passed through that had burning coals in it. So the burning coals, it, it represented the presence of God. It represented God walking through this, this covenant pathway where he's saying, I am making a covenant with you, Abraham, that I'll hold, uphold my end of the bargain. And he does it all. And so we see that the, the, the burning coals actually represents God's presence. So when you're doing something good for somebody else, essentially you're saying, I'm not going to return evil for evil. I'm going to return good with, I'm going I'm to overcome evil with, by doing good to you. What you're doing is you're actually giving them something better than they deserve, something they need. It's the presence of God. And somebody doesn't know the presence of God, that might be like burning on fire, right? Like that's just crazy. I don't understand what's going on here. But it's, it's something better. You're saying, I'm going I'm to offer to you something good. I'm going to bring a little bit of heaven to earth in this moment. And that's the story Jesus is saying. If you follow me, you will live differently than everybody else lives. You will, you will be the kind of people that when you're hurt, you can, you can begin to say, I'm going, to, I'm going to release, I'm going to let go. Here's what I know about, about forgiveness, is that the forgiven, they forgive. Those that can forgive are typically the ones that have been forgiven and they understand forgiveness. And so for some of you in this room, maybe that's the starting point for you. It actually is a starting point for you. If you're holding on to forgiveness and you never experienced God's forgiveness, that's the first step you need to take is saying, God, forgive me so I can learn what that looks like so then I can begin to forgive others. But the forgiven, they forgive. Jesus said that freely you received, you now need to freely give. Like It's been given you freely. You make sure you give it away just as much as it, it, the same way that it was given to you, and that was free. See, cause, so here's the thing for myself is... Um, when, when I extend forgiveness to people, the reason is because I understand I've experienced it myself. See, because here's, here's the truth is that you and I, we will never forgive other people more than what God has forgiven us. So there's not a single person that I will forgive more in my life than God has already forgiven me. He's already given me all the grace and all the mercy I need. And that there'll be nobody else in my life that I'll ever have to forgive more than he's forgiven me. So the fact that God has forgiven me gives me the ability then to extend that grace and, and forgiveness to others. It's through him that we can do this. Um, and he invites us into that. He says, would you, would you let me lead you on this journey? Don't miss out on this kind of life. As I was preparing this message this week, uh, the picture I got is, you know, um, I've, I've been different places where 
um, you go to somebody's house and, and they, the, the dog is really aggressive. And so instead of letting the dog kill you, they chain it up, right? Or they put it on a rope in the backyard. You ever been there in one of those houses, right? The dog is going to eat you alive if they don't put it on a chain. Anybody been there before? I've been there, right? So you walk in and it's like, ah, the dog chases you and you run out. And then if you go to the backyard, you don't know what's on a chain. It like runs at you and then it's like, like it stops, you know, like a foot, foot short of like the end of your life, right? And, and I, I saw this picture in, in life. This is kind of what it's like, right? So in, in the sense of a really aggressive dog that's chained or roped up, like it's around their neck, right? Well, when there's an offense, it's kind of like we get this, um, this, this rope or this chain that we've now grabbed onto. And, and when we're offended, we grab onto it and we're chained to this thing that's happened. Not even necessarily the person, just the thing that has taken place. Sometimes it's the person, but usually it's just the, the offense. And we hold on to it so tight we don't want to go. And the difference between it being around our neck like a dog or an animal is that it's not around our neck. It's actually just in our hands. And the whole time we're, people are trying to walk away like, I, I just wish I could live my life with peace and freedom. And like everywhere they go, it's like they can only go so far. And I've encountered people like this. They, there's others that, that the reason that they're in the state they're in is because somebody else. And that's part true. But there's another part where they, they have to own their part also. And they'll blame people the things they've done or how they were raised or what people said. And their whole life, they're living this, like, if only they would make it right, then I can live my life that I'm supposed to live. If only they would make it right, then I can have freedom to be able to, to, to have joy in, in, in other things in life. And the whole time I'm like, buddy, you don't have to wait for them. Ma'am, you don't have to wait for them. It's a little easier than you think. I mean, it's hard. It's not easy. It's simple. You just have to let go. Like, the whole time, it wasn't them. It's been you. And you've been holding on to that thing that's chained and holds you back. It's called unforgiveness. It's like poison that you're drinking that's killing you. But the cup is in your hand, not in theirs. And the picture I got was there's people that are saying it's, it's all their fault, all their fault. Yes, you're hurt because of them. That's true. We're not minimizing that. And I'm sorry that happened. But what are you going to do moving forward? See, forgiveness doesn't minimize the future. It just enlarges the future. And you say, I'm going to let go of the past. What does the future look like when I don't have to live with that? And Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says the first words that we study is, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they've done. I guarantee you, anybody that's ever hurt anybody, when they're standing in eternity in front of God, looking back over their life, they're going to think, I didn't even know what I was doing. The hurt I did there, it was so selfish. It was so little of me. It was all about me, me, me. It was whatever. I didn't even understand in the scope of everything that's going on. Like their, their mind was so small that they were only caught in the moment and what they wanted and their selfishness. But they didn't see it. And I guarantee you, when we get to heaven, the Bible says, you know, there's gonna, he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. What does that mean? We're all going to have a really good cry. Like, oh, man, I missed so much things in life that I was so focused on that didn't even matter. He's going to wipe our tears because we're going to realize at that point, like all those things I thought were so important, they weren't that important. And all those things that held me back, man, they shouldn't have been holding me back. What in your life is holding you back? Who in your life is holding you back? And the whole time it's not them, but it's you holding on to that offense, onto that hurt. And what if we, like Jesus said, God, I'm going to let go. I forgive them like you've forgiven me. I'm going to release them so I could be the kind of person you want me to be. See, this lesson has to happen almost on a daily basis, weekly basis, because people say things, people do things that hurt us, right? And our days that are good days go into bad days some days. But if we be the kind of people like Jesus is looking for that say, you know what, God, I'm going to forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. 
I'm going to release them. And I know this message is encouraging and also very difficult at the same time, right? Because it gives us hope, like, I don't have to live with that no more. But then it's like, oh, I have to deal with some of the hurt and the pain there. But you don't live out of the emotion. You have to make a choice of saying, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to walk that direction. And by doing so, I have to let go of this so I can follow what he's doing in my life. So, Dave, if you're here today, I want to end the service by giving an opportunity for those in this room. Um, you need to ask. The starting point is you need to say, God, forgive me because I've messed up. My past has kept me away from your best. And some of you need to forgive, but you need to start by saying, God, forgive me first. That's the journey. That's what the journey of following Christ starts at. Is we can't just say, I'm not going to do anything else because of everybody else. I'm going to do what I need to do right now for myself and for what God asked me to do. And so, Dave, if you're here and you're maybe sensing that, like this is a moment that I need to give my life to God and follow him, I would love to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat where you're at. You know, we'll call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in the, the opportunity to say, God, forgive me of my past. Help me have a new start. I invite you into my life today. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? If that's you today and you're saying, I need this forgiveness so that I can extend this forgiveness, I need to start with acknowledging that I can't do it on my own. It's called humility. It's what God is looking for in everybody. God says he embraces those that reach out for him and say, I can't do it without you. And if that's you and you're here today and you would say, you know what, I, I want to invite God to give me a new start. I need him in my life. If that's you, would you let me know by just lifting your hand right there in your seat? Awesome. I see some hands, quite a few hands going up. Thank you for being honest. God, I need you in my life. God responds by saying, I, I have good plans for you. Just let me forgive you. Let me help you move on with a, a clean start. So good. Anybody else? Awesome. For all you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're a Christ follower in this room, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone? Does it raise their hand? Let's pray together and just, just repeat this after me. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I can't do it on my own. Forgive me of my past, of my sin. Forgive me so I can forgive others. Help me to live a life that you created me to live. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross. In my place, so I could have forgiveness and a new life. I put my trust in you today. Thank you for giving us an example of how we can live through our bad days. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that raised their hand. So good.